How are you guys doing today? Guys, the Badgers won. Ohio State lost. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, okay. There we go. Guys, it's great to see you. If you're new to Doxa, my name is Rob, one of the pastors here. It's great to have you part of, of Doxa today. And I'm excited to open up the Bible uh, with you today. But before we do that, I, I need to give you kind of a, a quick update on some exciting things that happened this past week with Doxa and just honor uh, a few people. But first, we had our Salt Company kickoff on Thursday night. And guys, yes. Some of you don't even know what Salt Company is. Maybe you think that's like our side hustle where we sell Himalayan table salt or anything, but it's not, okay? It, it's our college ministry, okay? We, we love the next generation here at Doxa Church, but on Thursday night, guys, we had an awesome kickoff, all right? We were in the middle of campus with hundreds of college students just lifting the name of Jesus as loud as we possibly could without getting arrested or ticketed, and it was just amazing. But uh, Katie Ford, David Livingston, Jesse Anselman, Roger Osorio, the, the Japan team, guys, they, these guys have worked so incredibly hard, and we love you guys, and we are thankful that you're not just a hard worker, but we're thankful for your heart for God and the love that you have for college students. So all of our student leaders and uh, DOXA volunteers, thank you for everything that you're doing. I didn't want you to know that you are making like a kingdom difference here in, in Madison and making a very big gospel dent. And so, Doxa, I share this to say, let's just keep praying for Salt Company, keep praying for our, our college student leaders, and that we would see many students meet Jesus this year, okay? But not only that, we had our Salt Company kickoff, but we also had our IFC kickoff. And, and Nicole Ryerson and the IFC leadership team has done an awesome job. There were, we were there last night, my family and I, and the team welcomed over 100 international students at Brittingham Park, and it was an awesome time. And Nicole, I just want to say thank you, all right, if you're in here for, for keeping the nations out as part of our heartbeat here at, at DOXA. And so thank you for your love for students, your love for internationals, and for keeping the vision of, of DOXA Church existing for the glory of God, the good of Madison, and the world right in front of us. So DOXA, again, just be praying praying for IFC and all that's going to be happening just on the campus just a few miles down the road. But because here's the nature of IFC, okay? Our hope is that God would build friendships that would lead to students meeting Jesus, and then as they would finish up their schooling here in Madison and head back to their home countries, they wouldn't just go back with some good memories and a great education, but they would go back with the saving message of Jesus and a mission to give it away so more and more people can have a run-in with the love of God through Jesus Christ. Amen? This is our goal. And so we pray, not that we have great events or anything like that, but that God would mobilize his people for the sake of people meeting Jesus and the good of the world around us. Okay? So keep praying. In fact, you know, I'm not just going to ask you to pray. We're going to pray right now. Okay? And we're just going to ask God and thank God and to do immeasurably more than we can even think. Okay? So pray with me. God, I, I thank you for what you're doing in the life of this church, and God, thank you for the gospel, for, for Jesus, for being the hero of our stories, and God, I, I pray that you would just push forward Salt Company and IFC into this campus to reach the next generation so that more and more people would come to know you. God, we pray for salvation, strengthen our student leaders as they do ministry among their peers, and God, would we just hear stories after stories and see baptisms and baptisms and just celebrate and rejoice with you and all of heaven for what you're doing. And God, as we prepare to open up the Bible this morning, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would light up the words that you've inspired and that you would teach us, you would equip us, and you would grow an affection in us for you, your word, and for following Jesus for the rest of our lives. 
We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so Doxa, here's what we have today and for the next few weeks, okay? We, we just finished up a, an eight-month study through the letter of 1 Corinthians. We're entering into the fall season, a new school year. And before we jump into a study through the letter of Philippians, we're going to take three weeks, all right? Three weeks and just kind of reset our focus on some critical disciplines of spiritual health. That over the next three weeks, we're, we're going to be talking about three essentials, to the Christian life and three essentials to Doxa Church. And these three being Bible, family, and movement. And today we're gonna to be talking about the Bible, but as we consider the topics of, of Bible family movement over the next three weeks, guys, we would say that these are three essential qualities of a healthy disciple. And so Bible, we're talking about someone who lives under the authority of scripture and regularly engages with God through his words to us in the Bible. Family. We're talking about living as we truly are in Christ, the family of God. So living with one another so we're able to live out the one another commands throughout the Bible. And then movement, living out the mission of God through the movement of the gospel both in us and through us, that we're making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So Bible, family, and movement. But today, Bible. So grab your Bible, okay, and find your way to 2 Timothy chapter 3. All right, and if you've been around Doxa, all right, this is going to be a very familiar text as we reference this all the time. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 3 has actually been a core text for us as we started Doxa Church just three years ago. But in this, guys, we're going to get a baseline understanding of what the Bible is all about. All right, so 2 Timothy chapter 3 is where we're going to be. And we will start in verse 14. But as for you, this is Paul talking to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Chapter four, verse one. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. All right, so this is what we have today, and what we just read believe it or not, is a tremendous help for us to understand the essential nature of the Bible. And if you've been around Doxa for any amount of time, you know that the Bible has a central place in the life of our church. And you know as you show up here every Sunday, that no matter who is standing on this stage, whether it's me or another pastor or a guest speaker, in each and every circumstance, it's going to be apparent to all that the Bible is afforded a central place in everything that we do here at Doxa. And for some of you, maybe you, the first time you came around Doxa, you, maybe you had this, this thought and you wondered, like, why do they have such an emphasis on the Bible? Like, the guy just talks about it all the time. We want to be Bible-saturated, and if you prick us, you bleed Bible. He says this weird stuff. I don't know why he keeps repeating himself. I don't get it. Why? I want to tell you this. It's because the Bible is absolutely essential. Now, maybe someone would ask, is it really as important as you make it out to be. 
And this is actually a really great question. Let me just put it like this, okay? For those of you guys who, who don't know this, I'm a flag football coach right now for kindergarten and first grade team, okay? And they said I wouldn't amount to anything, okay? I've, I've arrived, right? But a few weeks ago, we, we had our first practice. We were getting ready to get started. I was surrounded by like a bunch of little kids who were just pumped, right? And we were kind of waiting for the rest of the team to show up. And the kids were like just kind of running around. And one of the kids was like, let's play football. And everybody was like, yeah. And they start running around getting ready. And I'm like, guys, 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 we, don't, we need a ball. And one of the kids was like, forget the ball. Let's play football, right? Okay, so this is what practice is about, okay? So you can pray for me, okay? But, but here's why I share that. All right, in many cases, listen to this, in many cases, this is exactly how it goes in a church service. Who cares about the Bible? Let's just get on with the church service. And the truth is, is you can go to a lot of different churches around our city, around our country, around the world, and you can worship in a lot of different places where it quickly becomes evident that the Bible is not being read or referred to at all. And if it is, It's kind of being referred to in like a tangential way. And some people, even Christians, are actually kind of sitting in church services asking the question like, what's the big deal with the Bible? Like why even bother with it? And maybe that's some of the, maybe that's on some of the minds of of people in here today. Like why bother with the Bible? And this is what I'm gonna try and address today, okay? But in order to answer that big question, We need to address three smaller but very significant questions, and the first is this. What is the Bible? And I I asked that to my five and my seven-year-old this week as we read the Bible together before bedtime, and they answered, just kind of annoyed, Dad, it's God's words to us. It's 100% true, but I want you to hear this, okay? This isn't just the musing of a five and a seven-year-old that I've indoctrinated, okay? But this is what we just read from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look back to verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God. And Docs, I want you to know this is one of the most important statements in all of the Bible, that all scripture is God-breathed. And sometimes people will say, not just God-breathed, but it's inspired by God. And it's not like how we think about it. You go to a concert or you see like a great musical performance and you say, this was really inspired. It's not like that, but breathed out by God so as to make the Bible God's very own words to us. And here's what you need to know about this, okay? Unlike any other book in the history of the world, the Bible is a book written by both God and man. But understand this. It was not co-authored where God and humans kind of collaborated. It was also not like humans writing a a first draft and then God came in as like the chief editor and kind of tweaked it a little bit. It's not God just giving like ideas to humans and they kind of write it in their own way, kind of saying their own thing. But rather when Paul speaks of the Bible being God-breathed, he's talking about people who are providentially prepared by God. They were inspired by God. They were superintended by the Holy Spirit and they wrote according to their own personalities and circumstances in such a way that their words were the very words of God. That God's supernatural guidance and influence of these writers enabled them to receive and communicate all that God would have us to know for his glory and our salvation. And theologically, we call this divine inspiration. Right, and this is what Paul means when he says that the Bible is, is Scripture, is, is God-breathed. Very simply, this just means that God the Holy Spirit inspired not just the thoughts of Scripture, 
but also the very details and the exact words that were perfectly recorded for us as Scripture. And so here's what you need to know. Every part of the Bible is God's words to us. Even the weird parts that you just want to skip and you're like, I don't get that. I I, I don't understand why this is. It's God's words to us. And it's the primary way that God speaks to us. So listen to how Peter, the leader of Jesus' disciples, talks about the Bible. In 2 Peter 1, verse 21, he says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. All right, Peter is saying that the Bible is not just like a made-up fairy tale. It's not just a good, entertaining book, but rather the authors were carried along by the Holy Spirit as a boat is kind of carried along by the wind that pushes the sail. All right, and so for example, God is just speaking things to these humans to communicate things that they would never be able to know on their own. All right, if you think about the Old Testament writers, they could have never made up the prophesied details of the virgin birth happening in a little town of Bethlehem. Or they can never think up of how the future details of the resurrection would come true. That if God had not moved them or carried them by through the Holy Spirit, they couldn't have seen the future in such detail and how it played out. But because God alone is sovereign and all-knowing of the future, he revealed exactly what would happen, and the writers just wrote it down. And so, Doxa, the Bible is God's words to us, breathed out by God, And as the Bible speaks, God speaks. And this is why Paul says in verses 14 and 15, if you look back, he says, continue in what you've learned from the scriptures. He says, you've learned God's truth, God's words, continue in that. Because he breathed this out, he's giving it, and it's good. Now, guys, let me just pause and address a potential issue, right? Because maybe you would push on that. And I hope there's someone in here that we're all not just like Christians here being like, yes, I accept everything you say. No, we push. We ask questions. And maybe you would push on that and say, well, how do you know? Right? Like, I, I, sure, I get it. Like, the Bible says that it's the Word of God, but why should I even believe that? And if you're in that place and you're asking that question, I want you to know that this is actually a great question, and there's actually a really helpful answer. And so, let me just commend to you why I accept the Bible as the Word of God. Doc said, the foundation of my confidence in the Bible is Jesus Christ. And you don't need faith to believe that the Bible presents you with a historical figure that has dramatically impacted the world. Atheists, agnostics, Christians can all agree that a man named Jesus actually walked the earth and has actually changed the earth in some pretty significant ways even today. The question that changes everything though is this, who is this man? And for me, C.S. Lewis has probably laid it out in the most succinct, concise, like great way that the possibility that the historical Jesus was a con artist or just a lunatic is to me so remote that I'm drawn to just confess that he is who he actually said he was. Truly God. That Jesus' claims are not the propaganda of a liar or the musings of a schizophrenic, but Jesus spoke with authority. 
He forgave sin. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He moved the hearts of his enemies. He loved those who hated him. He died for sinners, and he left behind an empty grave, not because he creatively pulled the wool over the world's eyes, but because he is the true, ever-living Son of God who came to save the world. This is Jesus. And in light of what we studied in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the paramount historical reality of the resurrection, Jesus beating death, coming back from death, guys, I'll just tell you, he has won my trust. He's won my trust. And so for me, it's all about Jesus, that I don't believe that the Bible is the word of God simply because of what it says, but I believe the Bible is the word of God specifically because of what Jesus said and did. That he said he was God, he said he would be killed and buried, he said he would rise from death, and he did it. And this isn't just a reality confirmed in the Bible, but this is outside of the Bible, historical realities that we find. He did it. And as he did it, he affirmed and gave credence to his identity and all of his claims as God. And so it always starts with Jesus for me. And from there, I move backward to the Old Testament and forward to the New Testament. And throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus considering the Old Testament to be the word of God. You know, so for example, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus said that he came not to abolish, but to fulfill the law and the prophets. And then in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, he tells the disciples that everything written in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, the Old Testament, was about him. And it's not just the Old Testament that's the word of God. Right? I was, I was sitting in, I would hang out in Panera and write my sermons and there's this old guy that always smiles, and so I went and said hi to him, and he's like, what are you doing? You always have a Bible. I'm like, I'm a pastor. I'm writing a... He's like, oh, okay, New Testament or Old Testament? And I was like, um, yes. You know, and, and he was like, well, you got to pick one, right? It's, not, it's the New Testament, right? No. It's the old... Jesus affirmed the Old Testament, but the New Testament carries the same God-breathed authority because as Jesus prepared for his apostles to speak with divine authority for the sake of the early church, he promised them. In John 14 and John 16, that one day he would leave them, but he would send the Holy Spirit to perfectly remind them of his life and his teachings so that they could go and they could teach and they could write and accurately and truthfully give the contents of the Bible. And then even Peter, in 2 Peter 3.16, speaking of the Apostle Paul and all of his letters, we just got done with 1 Corinthians. Peter says, speaking of Paul's writings, that they are Scripture, the same authority as the Old Testament, and guys, I'll tell you, okay, I could keep going on, you're getting bored, okay, but I'll say this. It's all of that and much more that I read and believe the Bible as the Word of God. So, Doxa, Christian, as you sit there and you're holding that book in your hand, you are holding God's Word that the Creator of the universe breathed out a book, and through it, we hear his words, we encounter his love, we receive his truth, we know the thoughts of God. I mean, do you think about this? I mean, how amazing is that, right? And even in the midst of this crazy, divided world that we live in, right, where no one agrees on anything and everybody says that there is no absolute truth and that truth is really just kind of relative, guys, we know that we hold in our hands right now the very truths, the very words of God. I mean, how great is that, Doxa? We're not wandering around with our head cut off, but we actually have a true north. This is the Bible. And this is why Psalm 19, 
says that God's word is to be more desired than gold, even fine gold. You have a great gift in your hand right now, Doxa Church. And the next time you find yourself, and we all do this, right? The next time you find yourself just like apathetic, not wanting to read the Bible, remind yourself that this is God speaking to you. The creator breaking in, speaking to you, to love you, to share his truth with you. So what is the Bible? It's the word of God to us. Second question, why do we need the Bible? All right, back to our text, what does Paul say? Verse 14 again. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with these, with the sacred writings, which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So Doxa, why do we need the Bible? Two things, all right? Number one, it teaches us how to be saved. Number two, it teaches us how to live when we have been saved. All right, and this is what gives me and the elders of Doxa just complete freedom and confidence to teach the Bible in the way that we do. Just kind of verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. I mean, Paul says to Timothy here, a young pastor, he says, hey, just open up the book and read it. Teach it. And when you do that, people will be saved and those who are saved will learn to live as though they are saved, like Jesus. This is the whole point. And I believe that one of the reasons, guys, that the church in America has been in decline for years is due to the fact that many churches, maybe even with good intentions and like an effort to be more attractionable or attractional or, or palatable to a, a, a less believing world, they're not teaching the Bible. And because they don't teach the Bible, people are not getting saved, and those who are saved, Christians, are not learning to live as ones who are saved, and this leads to so many people around the church, around Christians, looking at Christians, disliking them, the church, and God, because we don't look any different from the world around us, and we have a different message, but our life is the same. And so what we do here at Doxa is this. We just let the scriptures speak to save and equip. And here's what this means for every single one of us as we're sitting here today and you're hearing the Bible being taught right now. As you sit in your chair, you are either in a place where you need to learn to be saved or you need to continue to learn to live as one who has been saved. You get that? I mean, if these are the two primary reasons that we have the Bible, You should be asking yourself two questions right now. One of two questions. Number one, am I saved? Some of you, you just need to ask that. Like it's not about church, it's about Jesus. Have I come to Jesus? Have I been saved? It's the prime reason that the Bible is in our hands. And if you would say, yes, I am, I have come to Jesus in faith, then you need to ask yourself, am I learning to live as someone who is saved? These are the only two options as we sit here and listen to the Bible being taught. 
that the Bible is given us, given to us to make us wise for salvation and to equip us with everything that goes along with that so we can live it out. And so just listen carefully, guys. Someone here today, some of you, you need to be saved. And as we talk about the Bible, I just want you to notice what Paul says. Look back to verse 15. You notice that it's not the Bible that saves us. Right? It's the Bible that makes us wise so that we might get saved. And so what this means is that the Bible is given to really just educate us, to tell us something that the world and everybody around us, the smartest people in the world, cannot tell us. And this is so significant. I mean, think about it. Because people in the world are so confused on this, so confused about salvation and sin and heaven and hell and death, and they start to think that it's all about moralism or generosity or church attendance or, or baptism or not getting drunk or not sleeping around or whatever. But I want you just to hear this, guys. The Bible says that all of that has nothing to do with you getting saved. It has nothing to do with that. And when you read the Bible, you learn that it's 66 books written by more than 40 authors that is one story with one hero who saves. And this is Jesus. And the Bible that you have in your hand today is all about Jesus. Every verse of every chapter of every book in your Bible is like a neon arrow pointing to Jesus. The Old Testament is pointing forward, the New Testament is pointing backwards, and it all culminates at Jesus to make us wise for salvation. And salvation is the thing that every human being needs more than anything else. And knowing that this might be something new to, to some of you here, I need to explain this, okay? Guys, all of humanity, whether you know it or not, kind of has like a death sentence hanging over our head. Right? And, it, and it wasn't always like this. Right? That, that in the beginning, God created, and he created human beings in his image with dignity, value, worth, and purpose. And we were here. We were with God, and it was beautiful. We were connected with him. Sin enters into the world. Sin is just anything and everything that's in opposition to who God is and what God said. And the very nature of sin is it separates. It separates us from God, and it separates us from each other. And if we exist in this, into the grave, we go through the grave because we are not just ceasing to exist when we die, but our souls go on forever. And if we have this separation, guys, this is the terrible conscious reality of hell, just the eternal separation from God. But the Bible has good news and a hero. And his name is Jesus. That God saw this separation and Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, stepped into the human story as the man Jesus Christ. And he lived a life that I can't live. He died the death that I should have died for my sin. And he rose to give me the thing that I could never achieve on my own, a right relationship back with God. This is the gospel. And this is what your Bible is all about. And so if you're sitting here and you have not come to Jesus for salvation, the entire point of this book is to help you see how much you need him. It's the point of this church. As you come back here week after week, know that this is the prime thing we want you to know. And the reason that you're here today is because God loves you. 
And he wants to be with you for eternity, but he knows that the only way that this can happen because of this separation, because of your sin, is by you coming to Jesus so that he can take your sin and give you his righteousness through faith. And so with all that I have, guys, with everything that I can do to encourage you, come to Jesus in faith today. This is what this church is all about and why it was started three years ago so that you could be sitting here today to hear this message. And coming to Jesus in faith, guys, it's, it's not like this, I don't know, 12-step program. It's not a special prayer that you gotta Google. You could do that. That's how I became a Christian. I guess it works. I don't know. Like the verdict's still out I sometimes, right? But here, here it is. You ask yourself, how do you know? Do you acknowledge that Jesus is God? Do you acknowledge that there is sin in your life that is separating you from God? Have you asked Jesus to take your sin and give you his salvation? And have you committed to following in Jesus' words, works, and ways as we see throughout the Bible for the rest of your life? If the answer is yes, you have been saved. God has made you wise for salvation. You are a child of God. There's a reason for you to sing today. If the answer is no, you're hearing God's word to you today to make you wise so that you can say yes and enjoy eternity in heaven with him and escape the terrible reality of hell. So don't miss this God-given opportunity for salvation. Now, for those of you who you have come to faith in Jesus, that he has saved you from sin and death and hell, you sit here in a place, we, where we need to learn. And we need to keep learning how to live as someone who has been saved by Jesus. And this is what Paul says in verse 16. Look back. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I want you to notice the emphasis on the word profitable. Doxa, the Bible is profitable, it's helpful, and it's not helpful like Google, all right, but it's helpful like a person who loves you who cares for you, converses with you, counsels you, comforts you, and confronts you. And the profitable effect of the Bible, according to verse 17, if you look back, is that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And doxa, this is what godliness is. This is godliness. And I want you to know that the way godliness comes about in our lives is by the scriptures. It's the Bible through the Holy Spirit that has power to make us the kind of people who can discern and do the good deeds to be done, really just to live like Jesus for the sake of the world. And so Christian, hear me on this. As it relates to the Bible in your hand right now, the God-breathed word, the Bible aims to make us godly. And it does, look back, it does this by teaching by reproving, by correcting, by training us in righteousness, that when the Bible is rightly taught, we're reproved, meaning that our errors are pointed out and we're stopped in our tracks. Do you experience that through 1 Corinthians? Holy cow, right? It's just like every time I felt like I had to wear a cup and a helmet in here, right? It was just like you're, you're pointed out, you're, there's your sin. We're reproved, but then we're corrected, meaning we're not just hit in the face and we're like, oh my gosh, but you're turned around to escape the harmful way that you were going and put in a new direction, the right direction. And finally, we're trained in righteousness, meaning the Bible just enables us to grow in righteousness, to become more and more like Jesus, which is the prime goal of the Christian life. 
So Doc said, this is why we need the Bible. This is why we teach the Bible. So people can meet Jesus for salvation and so that Christians can learn to live like Jesus for the glory of God and the good of the world around us. So what is the Bible? It's God's word to us. Why do we need the Bible to learn about salvation and to live out our salvation? And this is the last big question, is how should we receive the Bible? One word, incredibly easy, very difficult to do. The one word, Doxa, how do we receive the Bible? Humbly, humbly. And here's the reason why. All right, when Paul says that the Bible is the word of God and it's breathed out by him, here's what this does. All right, this suggests that there actually is a God and we're not him. Do you know that? I mean, I know this is America and we're like pretty much our own gods and we determine what's right and wrong and true and false. There is a God and none of us in here are him. And so if the Bible is actually God's words to us, we would do well as ones finitely created with limited knowledge and understanding and ability to receive and to listen and follow his words, the infinite creator, humbly. But here's the issue. We tend, I mean, all of humanity, we're in the same boat, to be a prideful group of people. We like to do our own things. We like to believe whatever we want. We like to go our own way. And rather than listening to our creator God, we follow our own passions and our own desires. Doxa, it is pride. Do you understand that? God detests pride. It's a very self-centered way of living. And this has been true of humanity since the beginning. The sin came into the world. And this was definitely true as Paul wrote to Timothy here. Look at chapter four, verse one. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is, the who is to judge the living and the dead, the king, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. It's like teach the word of God. Don't give just your thoughts, but teach the word of God, the scriptures. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Now look at verse three. For the time is coming. In Doxa, I would submit to you that we are living in this time. We are in this day. Well, what is this day like? A day, look, when people will not endure sound teaching. They will not listen to the words of God. They will not teach the words of God in the Bible. They will do their own thing. Why will they do that? Because they have itching ears and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Itching ears. Does this describe you? You have itching ears? Are you constantly looking for someone to scratch where you itch? Are you looking for the newest podcast, a book, a philosophy, a theology, if you will, a news station, a social media influencer, somebody, a professor, somebody just to, that you can hang your hat on and make you feel that you are right with your perspective and the view that you want to have of the world and of God? I mean, let me ask it like this. Doctor, where do you find truth? 
Where do you find truth? So many people, even Christians, do what Paul says here. Seek to accumulate teachers to suit their own passions, even if those teachers are not basing their perspective and their philosophy on the truth. We want to hear what we want to hear, and so we'll cling to the people that will give us what we want to hear. As Christians, we don't look internally for truth and decide what we think is true. We don't look externally to other people. We look eternally to the Word of God, and we stand under its authority and say, this is truth. This is my true north, and regardless of how I feel, I know this is God's spoken word to me. Listen to Isaiah chapter 55. This is what God says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Doc, so we all have thoughts on things. And we all have ways that we like to do things. But God says, his thoughts and his ways are higher and better than ours. And the way we receive God's thoughts and ways about life and truth and eternity is humbly. We simply say, God, I have real feelings. I have strong feelings sometimes. But I know that my feelings, although sometimes they can be great servants, they are terrible masters because they won't always lead me to the truth. And so we say, God, will you just help me? Teach me your ways. Teach me your truths. Teach me your thoughts. And when we do that, when we just say that to God, he will respond to you. And he says, I have. Open the book that I have breathed out, and I will speak to you. Guys, this is the Bible. This is why the Bible is such a central part of our church and why the Bible needs to be such a central part of your life. It's the very words of God to teach you what is right and true and good, to make you wise for salvation and to teach you to live as someone who has obtained salvation. So this is why the Bible is essential. Hey guys, I I pray that in my just like feeble attempt to teach the Bible, that this was helpful and envisioning for you that you would recognize what you have in your hand and that you would now more readily, more eagerly, just open it up, meet with God, hear from God, receive from God, find joy from God through his words to us. If you're here and you don't have a Bible, guys, we've got a wall full here, we've got a wall full behind the coffee bar up there, Grab as many as you want to give to your friends and family. It's the best gift that we can give you because it's going to point you to Jesus, which is the point of your life. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Without you speaking, and revealing yourself to us throughout the scriptures, we would know by looking to creation that there's something that has created everything. But we wouldn't necessarily know about our problem of sin and your answer of Jesus. And so we just say, thank you for making us wise for salvation. 
Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for your love and your grace that has changed our lives presently, but is also uh, a light at the end of the tunnel that as we go into the grave and through the grave into eternity, that we're with you and we're entered into a day where there are no more tears, there's no more pain, there's no more sin. And it's not because we've done anything, but it's because you chose to move and act. And Jesus, you died and you rose for us. And we just say as your kids, thank you. And for those in here who don't know you, God, would you give them a desire to open the Bible, to meet with you? And would they continue to see your love and your grace? Jesus, pour it out on every page. And would they find salvation, make them wise for salvation that we can celebrate? God, help us to be a church that is faithful to your word. Help us to be a church that is rooted and saturated in the Bible. We want to know you. We want to walk faithfully with you. We want to exist for your glory and the good of the world around us. So help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.